Sasha. Hey, Courtney. Why is it hardest working the rack when you're dealing with traitorous gentry? I don't know. Why? It's just one long night after another. Bah. <laughs> it's Spoop Hour. a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. This is Sasha. This is Courtney. We're very eloquent today, as we are always. Yep. Uh, Coming back to you with a new episode of Spoop Hour. Remember, you can always find us online at Spoop Hour on Instagram and Twitter. And also you can email us um, at spoophourgmail.com. We did get a listener email today, but I can touch on that a little bit later because it's related to what we're talking about today. It is. So... Any housekeeping besides creepy things? Here's something we haven't plugged in a good long time. Mm-hmm. We do have Spoop Hour merch. Yes. I do a really bad job of bringing it up, but we do have it. So that's going to be your chonky cryptids if you want to get a shirt with them on it. Mm-hmm. We changed vendors somewhat recently, like within the past six months, to do Threadless because I find that their shirts are higher quality than mm-hmm. Tee Public. No shade to Tee Public. So it's spoophour.threadless.com. If you want, I think. Yes. Okay. Spoopower.threadless.com. Also in there, there's an Eat the Rich Fancy Shark shirt, which is an inside joke with my meetup group, but we thought it would be easiest if I threw it up on our (laughs) merch site. So, you know, if you want some merch. We also have a Patreon where recently we yelled at each other about snacks because the snack it is happening again. Yep. Back it. Snack it time. Yep. There's a, we, there's always one off season snack it and this year it Mm -hmm. came early. It did. It's all about summer snacks. So we talked about that for a while. It's glorious. Mm -hmm. Tragically, I think my pick for the practical bracket winner is on track to win Hmm. because it's watermelon and watermelon did make it through the first round. So we recorded that bonus episode on Thursday and on Friday I went to the beach with my friends and discovered that we had a bunch of things from this summer (laughs) snack it unintentionally just as food that we took to the beach. And it was like, oh, okay. So we are like on the same wavelength. And then on Saturday, I went to a friend's birthday party picnic and there were mini caprese bites there. And I was like, well, all right, we all know how to do these things, except most of my picks did not make it to round two. But yeah, I, I very pointedly mentioned my practical bracket, Mm -hmm. which was pretty successful. I'd say probably about 70 to 80% of the snacks I correctly predicted, Mm -hmm. with the exception of the festival bracket region, which apparently I just don't understand what people want to eat at festivals. My wishful bracket is like hella busted. (laughs) So that's fine. All of my favorite things, just my, my normal, my choice taste bracket is like totally done. Just jokes on you. I didn't fill out a full bracket. I just. I'm just going Uh round by round. I was going to say, joke's on you. Sunday Crunch Popsicles and I will see you in hell, people who voted for Italian ice. (laughs) Well, that's so I text I I, I texted Courtney and we'll 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 keep the snack at talk to a minimum. That's what the Patreon's for. But I just thought it was so funny that for the first region of the bracket, this week's matchups were two kinds of ice cream against each other, two kinds of fried seafood together, two two kinds of fried seafood again, and then Mm -hmm non-dairy ice treat <laughs> yeah it's just like all right people we know what people like apparently yeah we're, it's very consistent we're like fried seafood and ice things yeah there was a matchup this week that was like which kind of anaphylaxis do i want i'm just oh. kidding it probably wouldn't give me anaphylaxis but i would probably have some sort of reaction to it so that was fun yeah did anything non-snack related happen to you that was spooky 
Yeah, so I actually got... Any spooky snack shit happened. Okay, well, I guess it's just, it's been a couple of weeks since we last recorded a normal episode, and in it's that true. time, I have been to Michigan. It's true. And I've also come home, so, like, a lot of, a lot of stuff has happened. One thing that was kind of recent, and I'll touch on this, like, when I get to my part of today's episode, is that I was reminded the other day that my mom is a spooky person. Yes, and she's a ghost magnet. Yeah, so I'll basically I was kind of giving her like a brief rundown of like what I was going to talk about on Spoop Hour this week, and she was like, "Oh, yeah, that's this ghost story from Japan," and it goes like, da, 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 da. and she like, knew anyway, it. I was that like, ghost and I went to high school together, and well, you know, maybe not we that haunted far. all the same places. No. <laughs> but yeah, but she like already knew what I was talking about, and I was like, "Well, then you should just go on the podcast for me." I mean, so I thought that was that was kind of funny that like I. I didn't even mention the name of the ghost or the ghost story. I was like, oh, yeah, it's this story about uh, these plates. And my mom was like, oh, it's this one. And I was like, yeah. all right. <laughs> I do always uh, threaten to fire you. Maybe I should just, like, bite the bullet, fire you, and hire your mom. Hire my mom. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but, yeah, so I guess going backwards in order of recency. So a couple days ago, I went to the gym for the first time since March 2020. Wow. And... When we re-signed up for the gym, I was still a little nervous about going back, but there were people wearing masks, and I was like, okay, like, at least there's, like, maybe a third of the people are wearing masks here. I know that a lot of people in this area, because we're a highly vaccinated area, have been become really comfortable with the idea of, like, not wearing masks again, even with the Delta variant, but we're, we're, we're not going to go too deep into that. But we went back this week, and the first spooky thing was that there were fewer people wearing masks, and I was like, ah, why? But the spookiest thing of all about this gym trip was that someone first didn't heed like social guidelines of like not standing too close to people, like which is already like a thing from br- before the pandemic that, that you should like be avoiding people at the gym, right? Yeah, like in a pre-pandemic. Don't, so you have to quote the police, but don't stand so close to me. Right. So that was like the first infraction. That was someone standing too close Chris. to Jack. Disgusting. But the, se- the the major infraction that day was that someone got off the two machines that were between me and Jack. We were on the ellipticals. And they got off of it. And they walked right past the cleaning solution, the sprays and the paper towels. And they just kept walking. And then they walked away completely. They just walked away without wiping their machines. And I was like, that was gross before the pandemic. This is why I haven't gone back to my gym yet. And they no actually one learned called me anything. and they were like, we want to see if you want to restart your membership. And I'm like, no, they weren't cleaning up after themselves when there wasn't a global pandemic. I don't right. want to deal with them not cleaning up after themselves when there is a global pandemic. Yeah. So also, the, I mostly don't leave the house. So. Right. So the first spooky thing was that people don't change, even when Ugh. there's a crisis. Bastards. The second spooky thing was that I don't know how to read. And <laughs> I was having a pretty terrible time at the airport flying back from Michigan my parent, my dad and my brother and I drew, drove up, but I decided mm-hmm. I wanted to come back a week early, so I, I flew back. People are annoying, so that's spookiness number one. But the Correct. second part is I got to DCA, and I texted Jack that I was at baggage claim, and he was like, yeah, I'm coming up the elevator. I'm like, be right there. And I was like, be right where? Like, are you, <laughs> what elevator? And he surprised me at the airport. I was very Aww. shocked because I was like, I don't know where I am or what's happening. And I cried. So that was, Aww. I was just very surprised. So that was s- spooky in a surprising way. <laughs> the most spooky thing that's happened to me in the two weeks since we've recorded is I went to Michigan and it's been two years and some change since I've been up there. Mm-hmm. The last time I went up there was in the spring of 2019 to have a belated funeral for my uncle Gary. Mm-hmm. And then since then, there was a pandemic and my grandpa died. So it's been it's been a while. But we went up there and there is a, a, a rabbit house hutch thing that looks like a tiny little cabin in the woods t- between the old farmhouse and the new house mm-hmm. that I do not remember seeing before. So I posted a photo of it to Twitter and our mysterious old third roommate was like, well, that's haunted. I like had no recollection of ever seeing that. And so that was spooky. The second spooky there thing hasn't been a rabbit hutch there in seven. Yeah. I was like, years. dad, what is this? And he was like, what are you talking about? And finally, like I dragged him outside to show him. And he was like, oh yeah, we kept rabbits there when I was a teenager. And I was like, oh, Oh, okay. That, but 
this farm has been in our family since for like 55 years mm. and I've been on this planet for 30 and have been to the, this farm so many times had no recollection of it so that was Consider weird. Consider you're from a parallel universe where the rabbit hutch doesn't right. exist but you merged into the universe where it does. There's like a glitch in the yeah there's, yeah, there's something you're that's glitching. Bearings, bearings mm-hmm. it. And then so. I guess the other spooky thing was also how plants can grow so fast and so <laughs> the entrance to our old property it was like completely eclipsed like Jer- Jeremy and I were walking down the farm road and we were like what where where do we turn <laughs> like where did the house go so we couldn't find the original house so that also was like okay so I found this thing that I don't remember seeing and now I can't find an entire house like what's happening here so I, I tried to venture in through the thicket by myself and then I heard spooky noises and I turned right around and also there was probably a bear so <laughs> there, just there was a lot of uh, like ang- outdoor anxiety <laughs> throughout the week that I was up there so that's if you're me every time you're outdoors is outdoor yeah, anxiety so that's, I so. guess just a, like a little rundown of like times I have been scared recently <laughs> or surprised <laughs> yeah how about it. you tell me about spooky things that have happened to you so this is an outdated one that I should have brought up last time we recorded but mm-hmm. I didn't because I forgot it happened so mm-hmm. I've been very vocal about my irrational fear of like empty doorways Uh, because mm -hmm. I'm always worried that I'm going to look back and there's going to be somebody there. So that's just baseline. Keep that in mind. This is an irrational fear of mine. We were eating dinner the other day and I was sitting at a chair at our table that I don't usually sit in, but it gives you like out of the corner of your eye, you can see the front door, which has a window Uh, in it. Yeah. And I don't usually sit there, but I was, you know, feeling spicy. And I was like, yeah, I'll sit here for a second. So I'm, you know, eating. And then my partner got up to get something from the kitchen. And I, like, glanced up and over at the door. And there was a face there. No! And I just about shit my pants. Like, I was like, what the fuck? And, like, I had a heart attack. I'm sure it read on my face. as like, But it was just... It was just our mailman, like, dropping (laughs) off a package, so he gave, like, a cheery smile and wave and knocked on the door, but because I'm, like, the worst person in existence, I was just terrified, so I was just like, and I didn't (laughs) back, but it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, that was, that was the spooky thing that happened to me, so I feel really bad, because the mailman is nice and brought me a present, but. I feel like that's, like, Yuna's every day. Just anyone's on the porch immediately. <laughs> Maybe she has my thing about, you know, open doorways and people appearing in them. Mm-hmm. It was one of the things that I had a hard time with with the horror movie It Follows, which I yeah. saw. There's a scene in which someone who's just uncomfortably tall, like, ducks into a room. And it's like the door is open and then suddenly there's this thing there. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't like this. Mm-mm. Don't. That movie's fucked up. Don't like it. Mm-mm. Not one baby bit. So. What are we talking about today, Sasha? We are talking about Haunted Castles Part 2, because there, like we said last episode, there are still so many, 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 many more all over the world. A lot of them we keep finding in Europe, but there are others in other parts, non-European parts of the world. I was going to try and find some outside of Europe, but then I went down an Italian rabbit hole. Yeah, and that's okay, because again, (laughs) we we could just keep going. This we could, could be just Castle could be Hour just from out, now yeah. on. We just talk about historic shit. I mean, there's we already like, talk about historic shit, but just... Yeah. But there's even like 20 more. haunted castles in Italy that I don't touch on. Yeah. So before we get into that, we did get listener mail. <laughs> and this is from listener Nora. Hi, Nora. We need a mail song like Blue's Clues. Yeah. It's mail time. Here's yeah. the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. <laughs> All right, so this is from we Nora. We are grown women in our 30s. <laughs> yeah. So Nora wanted to share with us the Canadian Museum of Nature in Ottawa, which was originally built to be the Victoria Memorial Museum. It's a big old Tudor Gothic revival building meant to match the Canadian Parliament, which is a few kilometers away, and it's very castle It's got towers and shit, and it's very grandiose. Love and it. And Nora shared lots of photos, so you should go ahead and like, look at those. they go on Instagram. Yeah. But one of the best fun facts so far is that it's got a moose carved into the facade. So 
we love we love to see a moose. Who and there really are mooses. Moose? So when we think about like the gargoyles and grotesque uh, episode that we did a while back, now we've got a moose who's a grotesque. How about that? I love it. But yeah, she says, honestly, it's not haunted or anything. I just get a real kick out of a gothic castle structure having moose heads carved onto it. Honestly, me too. Said that she thought we'd appreciate it too. And we do. We sure <laughs> we do. We sure do. You were right. <laughs> and yeah, it's an amazing place. There's a kids club in the basement where kids can bring in interesting natural things and get points. And with enough points, you can trade to bring stuff home. Oh my so, God. Her daughter traded a drilling core from a well in her grandpa's yard and a rock with an imprint of an insect for a weasel skull, which was her prized possession for years. So I just love that. You can just like trade artifacts that you're finding. But yeah, it, yeah, it, I like that. We love we love a castle-y building. We love moose. We did say that when we were in college, if we never found partners ourselves, we would just move to Canada and get a pet moose. I don't even think it was if we never find partners. I think at that point, both of us were like, we're never going to find partners. So we're just going to run away to Canada. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. Like, we, we, it wasn't even an if. It was, we're no, it never. Like we're going to be single plan. forever. It was plan A. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just going to go get married and move to Canada and, and adopt a moose. moose. Yeah. Yeah. But now yeah. we have a podcast. Now we have a podcast. It's basically the it's same basically thing. basically the same thing. <laughs> so, Nora, thank you so much. Listeners, if you guys have any cool castle buildings, they don't have to be haunted, or just cool architecture in your city. And if it is haunted, bonus points. Yeah. You can trade them in for weasel skulls. Uh, <laughs> Don't make me have to source weasel no, skulls. No, 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 we won't source weasel skulls. We'll make them out of Play-Doh. I, I should have held on to that weird squirrel skull from the squirrel that died in my dryer. Oh, you yeah. You could have given that away. Yeah. See, I'm sure there's an artisan crafter somewhere who's like, man, they got rid of the whole you know, squirrel skeleton. Yes. It's to like, that artisan crafter, I'm very sorry, but I was I traumatized. And to this day, I still cannot think about it. And it ruined going into that room for me. Like, from that point until I moved out, I had a really hard time going into the utility yeah. room because of what oh, yeah. happened there. Yeah. Which is going to make one of today's castles be like, what were you thinking? Because I get all wibbly about a squirrel skeleton. So Whoa. that's just... Let's just set so the bar how do there. we want to do this? I've got I, two short and one long. I have, like, nine short ones. Okay. <laughs> and then one kind of long one. But they're all based in Italy. So, yeah. as I mentioned, I'm going to be touring the countryside of Italy via podcast today because I want to go to Italy and obviously we are all in our houses, mask up, make good choices. Even if you're vaccinated, it's not a magic bullet. Mm -hmm. So anyway, this is all courtesy of italyvillas.com, ilcastello.com, italianbreaks.com, explo-re.com, wikipedia, followingtherivera.com, sicilianpost.it, blog.sicilianSecrets.it, italianways.com, plumplumcreations.com, atlasobscura, and thetravel.com. A lot of sources, yeah. a lot of Italy. I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance for my pronunciations. I did look all of them up. However, I don't speak Italian. So if I butcher them, I'm very sorry. I'm doing my best. You're doing your best. <laughs> I tried. I spent a long time on Google Translate just making the guy read words and, out loud to me. And at least you are acknowledging this instead of being like the NBC Olympic commentators who was, don't try and don't acknowledge and don't apologize. First, folks. We are higher quality than NBC Olympics coverage. So... Castello di Montebello in Torriana near Rimini, Italy, is one of the most well-known castles in Italy, and it has a resident ghost girl. Oh! The story, which dates back to the 14th century, says that Gwendolina Malatesta was the child of the feudal lord of the castle. Gwendolina was drawing attention from the moment of her birth because she was born with albinism. Ooh. Now remember... It's the 1300s, so we're in peak Middle Ages. And if mm -hmm. there's one thing we know about the Middle Ages, it is they were uniquely terrible. Yeah. Like, what a horrible time to be alive. Right. It so. wasn't an accepting time for anybody. Like, even if, like, you slightly veered from the norm, it was, like, game over. So being born albino was not great for Gwendolina. Mm. Popular tradition of the time said that Anybody with albinism was a sign of being aligned with demons. Mm -mm, they were probably mm. a witch or in some way would bring about diabolical events. So frequently people who were albino were burned at the stake. Aww. So luckily for Gwendolina, her father was wealthy and powerful. And as we all know, that is a magic bullet. Yeah. So he had the clout to keep her from outright being murdered by the townspeople. 
Okay. He and his wife even tried to dye her white blonde hair black to help her blend in, thinking like, mm-hmm. you know, at least this way it'll only be her blue eyes and people might not notice that, you know, and she's right. a little pale, but if she yeah. has dark hair. Mm-hmm. But the dye didn't take and instead gave her hair a bluish sheen. Oh. So that, with her striking blue eyes and pale skin, Gwendolina earned a new nickname, Atsurina, the little blue one. Hmm. For her own safety, Atsurina was always guarded by two men, and she wasn't allowed to leave the castle. She was both not allowed to leave the castle because there were concerns that the townspeople would, like, kidnap her and burn her alive. Right. And also because, you know, she had very fair skin, and they didn't want her to spend too much time in the The sun. sun. And, you Mm -hmm. know, it could be, yeah. So, two reasons. But anyway, she was an indoor child. Tragically, on June 21st, 1375, Atsurina was playing with a ball. A scream sounded, and her guards were temporarily distracted from her. And when they looked back, she had vanished. Uh, she was never seen alive again. Rumors uh, as to where she went were running wild. Did she fall down the stairs when she was looking for her ball? Did she get lost in the dungeon while she was playing, and then she, you know, starved to death down there? Right. Did her father decide he was over having to protect his child, and Ooh. thus had her killed to get out of the way of his political aspirations? Mm. Answers never emerged because her body was never found. Jeez. She completely vanished without a trace. But it wasn't the last the castle heard of Atsurina. Her ghost usually shows up around the summer solstice and alternates between laughing and crying. So, okay. two upsetting sounds to hear from a little girl ghost. But There's one of them is not... Well, the laughing, well, I mean, is it like cackling, like evil laughter, or is it like... It didn't say. She's having a nice time. I feel like even that, though, if you're, like, in a castle and all of a sudden you hear, like, hee-hee-hee-hee-hee-hee-hee, it's upsetting. Uh, mm. You know? Mm-hmm. So even if she's having a blast, it's... it's yikes. They even made a horror movie about her called <laughs> Atsurina, which was filmed on the grounds of the castle. Oh. <laughs> the castle is now tourable, and it has an on-site museum where you can learn all about the haunting. Huh. So that's the Castello di Montebello. So that was my first. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So my sources for today came from Time, GreatCastles.com, AncientOrigins.net, GreatValueVacations.com, Condonas Traveler, All About Japan.com, Architectural Digest, Wikipedia, Give Them Money, and WillowWeb.com. <laughs> so my first two short ones, real quick. I've got Corvin Castle and Brand Castle in Romania, and Castle of Good Hope in South Africa. So I'm going to try to veer away from, from Western Europe a little bit. So Corbin Castle and Brand Castle in Romania, we might have touched about on these in the past at some point when talking about vampires. Oh. Because Corbin Castle is the most famous for being home to Vlad III, who is better known as Vlad the Poker, <laughs> a.k.a. Vlad the Impaler. He just loves poking shit. He loves poking shit. Vladislav the Poker. But, you know, Vlad the Impaler, whose despicable acts of bloodthirsty torture inspired Bram Stoker, you know, Dracula. We, we for sure talked guy. about fr- how horrible he was. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I'm just going to gloss over that. But the awe-inspiring Renaissance Gothic-style is- castle is said to be haunted by the spirits of the lives that were taken within these castle walls. Several paranormal fanatics and documentarians have es- investigated the estate, hoping to find if the story of Dracula is, you know, a myth, or, you know, what parts of it is true. We know the stuff about Vlad the Impaler, but I guess we're trying to figure out, like, the Dracula part, right? Yeah. And then Romania is also home to this other castle called Bran Castle, which also has some tenuous connections to Dracula. It's a medieval-style a medieval style castle in Transylvania, commonly known as Dracula's Crib, <laughs> a.k.a. MTV showed up and Dracula said, welcome to my crib. <laughs> it was completed in 1388 and thought to be the castle that is in Bram Stoker's Dracula, though Bram Stoker, being Irish, actually never visited Romania. So, tenuous at best. He could have seen a portrait in a, you know, illustration in a book, you know. But there is folklore around the castle's countryside that says that there are undead souls who haunt villagers at night. I already had this feeling that Romania was kind of haunted. I had a friend... Uh, in college, who was from Romania, and it just kind of seemed a little seem bit haunted? spooky. Yeah, and my, <laughs> were my they friend, a ghost? my friend <gasps> Sasha, were they a ghost? <laughs> no, no, my friend was not a ghost. She, Damn she was, it. she was quite. I mean, she was, she was quite bubbly and funny and nice. But she ghost would tell can me, be bubbly. you know, oh well, yeah, but 
she definitely is a human person. She, yeah. I think she's a doctor now. So ghost, ghost doctor. to be doctors <gasps> coming this fall to NBC. <laughs> And then also there's the Castle of Good Hope in South Africa. This was built by the Dutch East India Company in the mid-1600s. Boo, colonialism and colonization and boo, the Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) We get all this hate mail. All of our Dutch listeners angry, angrily disconnecting. A very slight reference to Austin Powers, but but also... Or Better Off Ted, which was a great show. Right, yeah, but still boo, boo, uh... Colonization. Colonialism. We can all agree. Yeah, we can all still agree on that. But this is a bastion style fort, again, built in the mid 1600s, uh, that is now a historical monument in Cape Town, and it is a hotbed for paranormal activity. Exciting. Who would have thought? It's one of the oldest and largest of South Africa's remaining colonial buildings, and it once sported a windowless dungeon where convicts drowned while chained to its walls. And those. People who were killed within the dungeon are said to haunt the place today still. There's also a large black dog who leaps at visitors before disappearing. A bell that rings by itself. thought to be the ghost of a guard who hanged himself with the bell rope. So we can't see the ghost, but the bell is ringing, so it's got to be him. Yeah. Um, and lights in the Buren Bastion that would switch on and off without any human assistance. Um, that, it's once all, again, that's just the ghost being like, "Look at look, this! The light just turned on. Oh my god! You guys, did you there are know no candles. It just shit. goes. Wow. The castle is also said to contain the ghost of violent ruler Governor Van Noot, who supposedly died of a heart attack while ordering a hanging. The common tale is that one of the men doomed for the noose cursed the governor before being executed, sealing his soul to the castle forever. I think Damn. it's pretty metal. <laughs> yeah, that is. That is pretty metal. Yeah. Anytime your soul is sealed anywhere forever, I feel like that's a pretty metal way to do it. Yeah, and especially by someone that you've sentenced to death. Yeah. You know, I was one of my best friends, Julia, who listens to this podcast. Hello, Julia. Actually went to Salem, Massachusetts uh, last oh. weekend. And we were talking in the car going to the beach about, like, John Proctor and the end mm. of the Winona Ryder version of The Crucible, where they're all reciting the Lord's pr- Prayer. And, ev- like, it cuts out. Like, each person cuts out as they're going because they're each being hanged. So, you know, fuck the people who sentence all those people to die because of the witch scare. Yep. Yeah, but also fuck colonialism. That's fuck go, all colonialism goes, especially. All goes hand in hand. All roads lead back to colonialism all and right. we hate it. <laughs> Tell all me right. more about Italy. I've got some rapid fire real quick ones. A lot of Italy's haunted castles just have like one or two fun facts about them and they're like, it's haunted. Deal with it. Bye. <laughs> so near Alpine, Italy, you'll find Castello di Sogne. This was built in the mid 12th century and Castello di Sogne is known for its colorful frescoes, custom-built fountain, and resident ghost of a scandalous oh. woman. This is how I want to be referred to when I am dead and resident the ghost, ghost of a scandalous woman. I want to be a scandalous woman. The woman in question is Bianca Maria di Chayon. Bianca was married twice to a viscount and to a count, so pretty powerful lady. But she did not let that stop her from pursuing as many lovers as she wanted. And by some accounts, she had a lot of lovers she wanted. Dozens. Damn. So, how is it hard to get an exact number of lovers? Surely she, like, kept a running tally or, like, people would see her out and about with them. She had a tendency to murder her lovers when she was done with them. Oh, Okay. So, depending on the version of the story you hear, she may have been beheaded for her crimes, or she may have just died at home in her castle, secure in being a 12th century woman with power and money who could murder a bunch of dudes and get away with it. Or she could have been like a Countess de Bathory situation where she didn't actually do anything, she was just kind of weird, and she was powerful, and the king didn't like that, so he Uh. said she was killing people. Who's to say? Either way, her ghost, described as being beautiful and charming as she was in life, wanders the rooms of the castle and tries to lure men to follow her. Oh. So, get Okay, it, go off, girl. Yeah. Then you have the, castel- the Castello di Fenis in the Aosta Valley, and it is one of the most famous medieval castles in Italy. Built in the 13th century, Castello di Fenis was a stronghold for numerous lords and viscounts throughout the years, but it is also the site of mystery and intrigue, because Mm. no one knows why, but it is extremely haunted. 
So there's no origin story. There's just weird phenomena that happen. Just haunted. It's just haunted. Don't worry about it. Visitors report <laughs> hearing odd sounds, footsteps, and evil muffled voices, which come mostly from the upper floor of the castle, but nobody's allowed on the upper floor of the castle. Okay. <laughs> per several websites, paranormal investigations are underway, but none have led to anything yet. Yeah. There's a whole procession of ghosts at the Castello della Rota near Moncalieri. You've got a monk dating back to the Crusades, a spooky or possibly even evil priest, a handful of knights, ladies, knaves, and hangmen. At least one body was found on the premises when a whole human skeleton was found alongside a horse skeleton. So this is believed to be the body of one of the night ghosts. Oh. Now wanders the halls. Sure. Then you have Cacamo Castle, which is located at the base of Mount St. Calogero in Palermo, and it was historically the seat of the powerful Bonello family. With its hall of theater, numerous gatehouses, tower, on-site prisons, hall of weapons, and Sala della Conjura, or Hall of Conspiracy, it's easy to see why the Bonellos set up shop there. The lord of the castle, Matteo Bonello, led the Revolta dei Baroni, or Conspiracy of Barons, in 1160. Bonello and his co-conspirators assassinated the sitting prime minister under King Guglielmo and attempted to capture the king. This was unsuccessful, and when Bonello returned to Cacamo Castle, King Guglielmo was pissed. As it turns out, kings don't love it when you assassinate their prime ministers and try to capture them. No. That's just not a thing they like. Mm -mm. Who knew? Not me. Knowing the castle was basically a fortress, the king knew he wouldn't be able to forcibly remove Boniello, so he decided to try trickery instead. Guglielmo told Bonello he was forgiven for his past misdeeds and invited Boniello into the king's castle to re-cement their bond. Mm. Bonello, and I put in my notes, he Boniello, who may have been very stupid, was like, <gasps> great, and rolled up to the castle. No questions asked. And as soon as he was there, he was arrested. Boniello spent his remaining days being brutally tortured, blinded, and having all of his tendons cut. He was finally executed after several days of violence. As the legend goes, Boniello's ghost still wanders the castle where he spent his last happy moments, calling out the names of the men who betrayed him. Now, we're going to hop over to Sicily, and then we're going to stay for Sicily for the remainder of this piece. So, Carini Castle teaches us the value of not forcing anyone to get married, especially if they're a teenager. Oh! So, let's all internalize that lesson, shall we? That's what happened to the Baroness Laura Lanza, eldest daughter of the Count of Musomeli, who was uh, of the powerful Lanza di Trebia family. And Laura was forced at age 14 to marry another noble, Vincenzo Lagra Talamanca, who was the Baron of Carini. Unsurprisingly, the marriage was not a happy one because when you force a 14-year-old to get married, she's not going to love it. No. But it did introduce Laura to the Baron's cousin, Ludovico Vernagallo. The two started up a passionate affair under Vincenzo's nose. It's unclear how long the affair continued, but on December 4th, 1563, it all came to light when Laura and Ludovico were discovered either by Laura's father or her husband, depending on the version of the story you hear. Mm -hmm. The father, or the husband, then murdered the lovers with a dirk, which is a small dagger, and in her dying moments, Laura left a bloody handprint on the wall. Every year on December 4th, the bloody handprint reappears. Mm. Keeping it in the Musomeli family, you have the castle of Musomeli, Built somewhere between the 14th and 15th centuries, the castle was built on a 260-foot cliff, making it a formidable stronghold removed from anything but the most determined raiding party. Like, when I say it is built on a cliff, this is, this is it. Oh, yeah, just right on a cliff. You're not sneaking up on that. No. They'll see you coming for, like, ten years. Yeah. It is also super haunted, but not for the reasons you think. Huh. As legend goes, Prince Federico, a powerful figure in Italian history, lived in the castle with his sisters Clotilda, Margarita, and Costanza. When Federico went off to war, he decided to take no risks with the safety of his sisters and instead lock them safely in an inner room of the castle alongside enough food for them to wait out his return. I feel like his logic was like, if they don't have to leave the castle, they'll always be safe. Yeah. Because nobody can get them in the castle, because who, who can charge up on it? You'll see them coming. It's a super intense stronghold. 
Unfortunately, as it turns out, Federico was not psychic, and he was very incorrect about how long the war was going to take. Ah. It dragged on significantly longer than he predicted. So Uh, long that when he finally returned, his three sisters were long dead. Uh, The corpses were found with shoes between their teeth, believed to be the sisters' way of trying to fend off starvation. Uh, Obviously, this led to their room, now called the three women's room, being haunted by their spirits. uh Uh-huh. And they aren't the only ghosts to call this castle home. In 1975, the custodian of the manor house, Pasquale Messina, was visited by the ghost of Don Guiscardo de la Portes. The ghost said that he was the son of a wealthy Spanish merchant and that his wife, Esmeralda, was due to give birth. When he was alive, Don Guiscardo was called away from his pregnant wife in 1392 to serve in the army and stave off a revolt in Palermo. After the expedition, Guiscardo stopped at the castle of Musomeli on his journey home to see his wife, but one of the men in his party was his rival in love, a man by the name of Don Martinez. Mm. Martinez saw an opportunity and attacked, leaving Guiscardo seriously injured and weak. Martinez then locked him in the basement of the castle where he died. Mm. And now his ghost pops up from time to time to tell anyone who will listen his very sad story. So those are just rapid fire, some extremely haunted oh, castles. Like I said, there's like a dozen more where it's just like, and this one's haunted by this guy, and this one's haunted by this lady. Don't worry about it. Like, Oh, oh my God. It's an it oh, extremely haunted place. Yeah, seriously. So. so I've just got one more. This is Himeji Castle in Hyogo, Japan. Mm-hmm. And is pretty well known. It Himeji Castle was built, they say, in 1333, and is regarded as one of the greatest remaining examples of Japanese class uh, castle architecture. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site as as of 1993, and it is one of again, like if you think about. If you're thinking about like what a Japanese castle looks like, you might be imagining Himeji Castle. That's kind of like the one that you it's would see in like cast- marketing yeah. uh, for like Japan and stuff. A fort was cr- first constructed on the site in 1333, and then in 1346 it was built up into Himeyama Castle, and then Himeyama Castle was then made into Himeji Castle in 1581, and then further expanded it in 1601 and 1609. It has a massive network of 83 buildings that still remain, including storehouses, gates, corridors, and turrets. That 83 kind of, buildings? Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a sprawling, like, you know, castle grounds and estate. I don't even think our college had 83 buildings. No, and this is, like, making me kind of think about um, when we were talking about Edinburgh last week, Mm -hmm. and I was saying that um, Edinburgh Castle just kept getting expanded on and built on and all of this. That's kind of like Himeji Castle as well. Yeah. So it does have some eerie folktale folklore associated with it, and the most popular tale is Bancho Sarayashiki, or Okiku and the Plates. And this is telling the story of Okiku, who is a mythical character from legends who is falsely accused of losing valuable dishes. In the very, very, very simple version of this story, short version, there was a beautiful servant named Okiku, and she worked for a samurai named Aoyama Tessan, and Okiku would refuse him when he said that he was in love with her and wanted to marry her, so he tricked her into believing Squeen she... Shit. Yeah, so he he g- gaslit her into thinking oh. she had carelessly lost one of the Tessan family's ten precious plates. Such a crime Ooh. would normally result in her death, and in a frenzy, she counted and recounted the nine plates many times. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, one, two, three, four, you know, like just going over and over again. She couldn't find the tenth and went to Aoyama in guilty tears. The samurai offered to overlook the matter if she finally became his lover, but she again refused, so she he threw her down a well into her death. Oh my god, he big time sucked. Yeah. It is said that Okiku became a vengeful spirit, or an onryo, like we've talked about before, who tormented her murderer by counting to nine and then making a terrible shriek to represent the missing tenth plate, or perhaps tormented herself and was trying to find the 10th place a plate and cried in agony when she couldn't find it. I like the first one. Yeah. That guy sucks. Sucks. Jesus Christ. In some versions of the story, the torment continues until an exorcist or a neighbor shouted 10 in a loud voice at the end of her count. Her ghost finally revealed, relieved that someone had found the plate for her haunt to the samurai no more. Hmm. 
in another simple variation, sometimes she's a maid who incurs her mistress's jealousy. Her mistress mm. breaks one of the dishes that Okiku is responsible for, and Okiku commits suicide. Yikes. And si- similar to other versions, the ghost is heard counting the plate, but her mistress goes insane and dies. So there are more complicated versions of this story that are a little bit more dramatic. Mm-hmm. The kind of commonality of a lot of these versions is that she was a lady-in-waiting at the castle, and in some, she was in a romantic relationship with another samurai named uh, Kinugasa Motonobu, and both of them served under Lord Norimoto, who was the ruler of Himeji Castle. And one day, she overheard Norimoto's chief retainer Asayama or Aoyama, I heard both when I was doing research, Tetsuzan, and he was plotting to kill Norimoto and any of his heirs and seize the castle for himself. So there are a couple of different ways where this story diverges into different versions. In one, Tetsuzan attempts to seduce Okiku and bring her into the plot. When she refuses his advances, he accuses her of stealing one of the ten precious plates belonging to Lord Norimoto. He tries to extort her, saying that he would lie for her and get her out of trouble if she'd agree to become his mistress. She again refuses. He ties her over the well, tortures her, and then kills her and throws her into the depths. In another one, Okiku warns her love, Motonobu, and his allies, and then they go and warn and kind of whisk away Norimoto of this attack and get him to safety. But the castle is left unsafe, and Tetsuzan still takes control. Furious that Norimoto had escaped, he sought out the traitor to his plan and eventually discovered it was Okiku. And at this point, Tetsuzan's accomplice Danshiro got involved, and he was very possessive and had a crush on Okiku. And wanted to make her his, but she refuses his advances even after he said he would protect her from being killed because of the betrayal and, you know, protection of Norimoto. But she again says, no, like, no, this is not worth it. So he steals one of the ten treasure plates that were heirlooms of... Not in this version. It wasn't Norimoto's in this version. It was actually Tetsuzan's in this. So still the bad guys, the bad guys' plates. And frames her for the theft. She crept into Tetsuzan's house to count the plates, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, to confirm the... Uh, to confirm that she was framed and try to f- see, like, no, I know where I put them, right? And sees that, mm-hmm. like, no, there's a 10th pl- place missing. And Danshiro finds her there, asks her one more time to be with him. She said no, and shing! With one swipe oh. of his sword, he cuts her down. And then, Men learn to take no for an answer right. challenge. Um, Unbelievable. So panicking, because there's now blood all over Tetsuzan's house, he takes her body and throws it down the well at Himeji. This is how you get the ring. Right. So Okiku's absence raised no question because at this point, everyone did believe that she had stolen the plates and that she was the traitor who warned Norimoto that something was going to happen. And they were like, well, she either ran away and absconded with the plate and, you know, is starting a life somewhere else, or she was killed by Tetsuzan. Eventually, Motonobu, her boyfriend, her, her, you know, her love um, and yeah. his allies were able to overthrow Tetsuzan and Lord Norimoto returns to Himeji and Danshiro's terrible crime is discovered. They find her body. Yay. So in tribute, she was enshrined at the Junisho Jinja, which is a shrine in Himeji. And the well still, though, is very haunted. People try to avoid it after sundown. So they say that her ghost now haunts the castle at night, counting dishes in a mournful tone, and she'll reach nine before shrieking and returning to the well. This story is very, very famous. This is the one where I was trying to tell my mom, I was like, yeah, there's a story about a well at Himeji Castle. And she's like, oh, that's Okiku. And she told me like a quick version of it. And I was like, huh, that's a little different from the one that I heard, but... Mm-hmm thematically similar there's a missing plate she's counting you know one two mm-hmm. three four five so six seven eight nine oh no you know and then like you know cries and goes away but All she because the men couldn't be like yeah Thank you for your honesty. Right. I'll move on. Yeah. And so she's been a subject of kabuki plays and bunraku. And, you know, there's also other versions of this story at famous wells across Japan. But this one at Himeji is even Mm -hmm. sometimes referred to as the Okiku Ido or Okiku Well in her honor. So this is like where the real Okiku story took place. Yeah, and so that's Damn. the story of this, like, super haunted thing at Himeji Castle. That's so sad to I me know. that, like, she's the one who's stuck being a ghost because all these fucking men were like, be my mistress. 
And if you don't, I'm going to frame you for something you didn't do. do. Yep. And then I'm going to fucking kill you. Right. Like, <sighs> she's still going to die anyway. Like, it's it's that very sucks. depressing. That's sad. Yeah. Are you ready for some spicy, fun, gossipy kind of ghost? Yes. Are you going to lift us up? Kind of. Kind of. It's, it's fucking weird. So, <laughs> for this one... I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of stretched the definition of castle for this one because it came up on a list of haunted places in Italy while I was there for another castle. But this story was fucking bananas and I needed to talk about it. So tell me about it. And it's it's Palazzo. It's a palace. So it's like a nice ass. It's a castle adjacent. Yeah. It's where it's where a fancy person would live. Right. Fancy. Theoretically. think, Think about this. The Queen of England has a castle and a palace, and she's exactly. still the Queen of England, you know? So, castle, castles, castles, calluses, you know, castles and calluses. That's our episode title. Potato, potato. Yeah, castles and calluses. Yeah, so it's one of those things. Every so often I come across a story where I'm like, how have I never heard of this thing? And this is one of those instances, because this is... It's basically the Hope Diamond of Buildings. Ooh, yeah, you were telling me. Mm-hmm. So, let's get into it. This is the Palazzo Dario. So, an ancient curse was leveled against Palazzo Dario in Venice, leading to tragedy, hauntings, and general spookiness. Ooh. Built... For Giovanni Dario in 1479, the palace has earned a reputation as the house that kills, that persists to this day. The curse made its first appearance not long after its initial building. When Giovanni passed the house to his daughter Marietta and her husband Vincenzo Barbaro as a wedding gift, Vincenzo almost immediately fell into economic ruin and was stabbed to death. Ah. So, coming in hot, right out the gates. Stabbing and financial ruin. Shortly thereafter, Marietta took her own life in the Grand Canal, probably as a result of her husband being stabbed to death and killed. Mm-hmm. After the deaths of his parents, Vincenzo Jr., the son of Marietta and Vincenzo, was assassinated in Crete during an ambush. Oh. So at this point, the Venetians got wind of these three rapid and extremely violent deaths, mm-hmm. and they were like... Something is not right about this house. So they Mm-mm. place an inscription in front of the facade. And it's written in Latin, but if you translate, it says, I generate under an insidious ruin. Because right off the bat, they were like, something is not correct. I, there are bad vibes here. Let me out. Mm. So... The Barbaro slash Dario family realized that the lavish estate, as beautiful as it was was not leading to anything good, so they decided to sell it, and they sold it to Arbit Abdal, an Armenian merchant who sold precious stones. So basically a guy who deals in gemstones. Shortly after moving into the palazzo, Arbit was in financial ruin. And the best part about this story, this is the nicest thing to happen to anybody who has stayed in the palazzo, pretty much. Because he didn't die, he just just... just fell into financial ruin. So he lost all his money. But he was alive, so... You know. Mm-hmm. Arbit sold the palazzo to Rodden Brown, a British scientist and historian, for only 480 pounds. Now, I realize that inflation is bananas, mm-hmm. but, like, even back in the day, 480 pounds is not a lot of money for a nice-ass property that overlooks Venice's world-famous Grand Canal. Right. It's, like, basically nothing. So, clearly, he's like, get it away from me. This ruined my life. I don't want this. I don't want this. You can have it. (laughs) So, after only four years of living in the palace, Rodden fell on financial difficulties when rumors of his homosexuality became common knowledge. He was so impacted by the scandal that he and his partner died in 1842, leading to speculation that it was a murder-suicide. No! The historical records say that the palace then passed to a Hungarian count and to an Irish businessman known only as Mr. Marshall, both of whom lost all their money and fell to misfortune. Mm. Then, in 1896, Countess Isabel Gontran de la Bombe Pluvinel restored the palazzo in the hopes of turning around its reputation. She invited French poet Henri de Reginet to stay as a guest, but within days, Henri was so seriously ill that he had to leave. Mm. Within days, Sasha. Jesus. And this is the I person just, who's like, this is a nice place to live. We're going to make it nice. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> this really is the Hope Diamond of buildings. It's the, it's the Hope Diamond of fucking buildings. 
So, after World War I, American millionaire Charles Briggs came into possession of the Palazzo Dario, but shortly after moving, Charles was hounded once again by rumors of his homosexuality. Oh, no. And when he fled to Mexico with his companion, his companion died by suicide. No! <sighs> yeah. So, at this point, everyone in the world was looking at the Palazzo Dario and kind of universally agreed, this, this is not for us. <laughs> this shit Let's haunted. Just- this, this shit is super haunted. Let's just shut it down. So it was empty for about 50 years. It's unclear if it like fell into disrepair during those 50 mm-hmm. years, but nobody was living there or even staying there. So it's possible it was kind of derelict yeah. at that point. But then in 1964, the world-renowned operatic tenor Mario Delmonico expressed an interest in buying it. Yeah. Keep in mind, this man has just said, oh, interesting. I could buy this house. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy the palace. Let's do this. <laughs> en route to Venice to sign the contract, Monaco was in a serious car accident. No. During his long rehabilitation, he backed out of the deal. He didn't even fucking buy it. And the curse was like, you don't want any of this. <laughs> Shut it down. And he got into a really bad car accident. Did anything bad happen to Monet? Because Monet painted a famous painting of it. Like He sure did. And it's a beautiful painting. As far as I can tell, he was not impacted by the curse. Okay. We'll get into it into a second okay. in the terms of the curse. All right. So a few years later, the ca- so at this point, we're in like the 70s. Uh-huh. The Count of Turin, Filippo Giordano de Lanza, bought the property. Not long after, Filippo was murdered by his lover, Raul Blasic. <sighs> he fled to London after the crime and then was murdered himself. After that, Kit Lambert, manager of rock band The Who, (laughs) bought the palace after falling in love with its, quote, sad and dark atmosphere. So publicly, Kit told people, I don't believe that there are ghosts here. I don't believe in the curse. It's fine. And he moved into the building. But he often admitted that he would stay in a nearby hotel to get away from, quote, the ghosts that haunted him in this place. Yikes. So... Even Mr. Upfront, he was like, I'm not, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Was afraid of some ghosts. He was afraid of some ghosts and mostly slept elsewhere. (laughs) After moving, Kit had substance use issues. And after he moved in, his drug abuse got a lot worse, leading to, (laughs) guess, 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 financial ruin, arrest for possession of drugs, and ultimately death. Oh, Jesus. After Kit, the next notable owner of the building was Fabrizio Ferrari who was a Venetian businessman slash playboy, and he resided there with his sister, Nicoletta. Nicoletta died shortly thereafter in a car accident, and Fabrizio lost all of his assets. He then sold it to another businessman, Raul Gardini, in the 1980s, who intended to gift the property to his daughter. Which, I get it, one of the easiest ways to get a house and become the subject of like a New Yorker think piece is to have your parents buy the house for you and then say you are a self-built person. Right. But I can't imagine at this point with the long and storied history of this place being like, thanks, dad, you bought me a house. And And now I'm cursed. cursed. Well, he never actually got to gift it to his daughter because Raul was implicated in the Tangentopoli scandal, which is also known as Kickback City or Bribesville. Oh. It's this huge corruption scandal. It was basically like paying for access in the Italian government. Uh-huh. A bunch of people went down for it, including Raul Gardini. And in the ensuing investigation for corruption, Raul died by suicide in 1993. Mm. So he never actually gave it to his daughter. In the late 90s, abuser slash all-around trash person Woody Allen allegedly Uh. looked into buying the Palazzo Dario, but he changed his mind after reading about the strange occurrences that surrounded the property. No, Woody Allen, you should buy it. Don't worry about it. There are no curses. Woody Allen moved into the Palazzo Dario. Yeah, why not? Woody Allen, you should go buy that house. It looks nice. Woody Allen, everything else has bounced off of you. Yeah, you it's not totally the, it's not the Palazzo Dario. It's the Palazzo Barrio. Like, hey, don't worry about it. Like, that's fine. Yeah, you're just getting your names confused. Yeah, like, it's it's not cursed. Yeah. It's just, it's cursed by being a great place to, to live. live. Yeah. Move in, Woody Allen, punk bitch. <laughs> anyway, in 2002, so we are now... 
in the 21st century. In Mm -hmm. 2002, one week after renting the Palazzo for a vacation, The Who's original bass player, John Entwistle, had a heart attack and died. No. And he didn't even live there long term. He just stayed there for a vacation for a couple weeks. Mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Even though most of the mysterious happenings didn't happen on the grounds, and in fact, only one of the deaths was on site, and that was Filippo Giordano, mm-hmm. Giordano, whose lover murdered him on right. site. For the most part, stuff doesn't happen there, but locals theorize that the palace is home to dark spirits that alter the mind of anyone who stays there for more than 20 days. Mm. So that's that's the window. I can't imagine they've done a ton of like scientific research to mm-hmm. determine 20 days is the marker, but 19 days is okay, so maybe right. they'll push it. But anything longer than 20 days and you're, you're falling into financial ruin, you're dying, your family members are dying, people are getting murdered, shit's getting real. Oof. Even local fishermen don't cast their nets by the palazzo for fear of the curse. Like, that is how intense people that feel about it. It's bananas to me. <laughs> it's their livelihood, and they're like, you know what? I'll fish somewhere else. This is none of my business. Mm-mm. But where did the curse come from? Where did it come from? Some think... That something about the building itself has a consciousness. So, like, something about the way it was built is the building itself has kind of a sentience and it's an evil sentience. Yeah. So it gets all of the, like, dark energy from making people do crimes or, you know, lose all their assets or Uh whatever. Like, it's feeding off of the negative things and it's just an evil building. But most locals blame the fact that the Palazzo Dario was constructed over an old Templar cemetery which you can see because of the way the building has shifted. It's oh. now visible. It was built on a fucking cemetery. Well, Poltergeist was right again. Yeah, like, you don't build shit on a cemetery. Don't build shit on what a do cemetery. you expect? Remember earlier when I said I had a hard time going into a room just because one time I found a squirrel skeleton in it? Right. This man built a whole ass house on a fucking cemetery no. and was like, I'll give it to my daughter as a wedding gift. Mm-mm. What do I care? <laughs> but, like, I don't know if you, in your travelings, you looked at pictures of it, but, like, it's a cool-looking building. It's a really cool... That's why I was saying, like, the Monet painting is so beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And it's this incredible painting of his. Like, it's beautiful. But there is a fucking price. So, I think right now it's just maintained. I think you can tour it. I don't think they let people stay in it for obvious reasons. I was like... Because the one guy from The Who just vacationed there and died of a heart attack right after. (laughs) Like... It's fucking insane. Huh. Truly, truly batshit stuff. Like, this this was my rabbit hole. This was, I don't know how I have not heard about this before. Yeah. It's the Hope Diamond of buildings. Imagine if this had the reputation that the Hope Diamond does. Right. I read on Atlas Obscura, I think it was, 13 owners have owned the Palazzo Dario, and every single one has had something bad happen to them once they took possession. 13. Which also... Unlucky number 13. <laughs> right. But it goes all the way to the top. <laughs> That's bananas. And it's all because they built it on a fucking old Templar yeah. cemetery. What were you thinking? That's like the one thing that like living in the area that we live in, mm-hmm. there are a lot of cemeteries, like old cem- cemeteries. Some of them, you know, date back to like colonial era. Some of them are more recent, but mm-hmm. it, I'm like, well, at least nothing's getting built over there. <laughs> like that's, that's going to stay wooded and green and everything. Cause no one, well, I'm not going to say no one because it does happen, but like, hopefully no one builds over that cemetery <laughs> for real. Or if they do, they do so in like a respectful way where right. they move the bodies and they reinter I mean, them. And that's they, like, what kind of right. freaks me out about this one little like townhouse area. It's like, it's probably mm-hmm. like 16 units total that they squished in, in this like one, you wouldn't think that you would build 16 townhouses there. Um, sure. Or when I was in high school, I didn't think that because it was just like one long ranch style house on like kind of a, you know, sizable tract of land, but it wasn't that big. It was probably yeah. maybe an acre or two. But one of my classmates died in a car accident there, oh, crashed shit. her car into the tree that was in front of the house back in like 20... 2010 or 2009 Mm -hmm. or something like that but there are houses now where she died and they named the street after her but i'm also like i don't know i don't know if i knew what like what had gone down and why that street was named after like 
a kid, like, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't want to live there because it's like someone yeah. died there. Someone, that's, someone. That's icky. And yeah, they had like and a mo- memorial and everything for her there. And they had to take it down for the construction. And it was just like, it felt icky. Yeah. Yeah. I realize that to a certain extent, you can't avoid building on top of places where somebody died or like living in places that somebody died. Right. Particularly if you live in an older place, yeah. like, of course, somebody has died in or near the premises. But when it's like in recent memory, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, or when you can still see the fucking cemetery, right. Dario. So, yeah, my mom and I, this is probably something for us to talk about in a future episode, but there's this mm-hmm. concept called Jikobukken in Japan, which is mm-hmm. properties where something has happened. So it could be I a murder, that. a suicide, or just, just a natural bad death. Vibes place. But, you know, maybe it's somewhere, it's a natural death, but the body wasn't found for a while. So, Ooh. like, when the, you know, people did find it, it was, like, long dead. But they're finding that because affordable housing is fi- hard to find in big cities. There are people who are like, I ain't afraid of no ghosts and go live in a <laughs> jiggle mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with yeah. you. That kind of thing, one hundred percent, I would probably be like, I mean, to a certain extent you can't avoid it. Like, so like I've seen comedy comedy routines and sessions and stuff like that where someone's like, Yeah, I got an apartment in Shibuya. It's like right on the crossing. It's so nice. The rent is only this much and someone's like, Wow, how did you get that? And they're like, Well, so uh, the last three owners have mysteriously died. <laughs> <laughs> See, last three owners, that's too much for me. If it was like one person died there 60 years ago, fine. Yeah. I'll move right so, in. So no question. This is like I people who are willing to live Dario. in like soon Super after because it, housing is hard to find. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I do know that in America, at least, you have to disclose mm-hmm. if your house well, is haunted when you're selling and it. And so that's in Japan, too. That's why people know which ones are the Jikobukken, because oh. you have to disclose if something has happened there. Yeah, because yeah. my my coworker with whom I co-parent a skeleton, she just sold her house, mm-hmm. and she's pretty sure it's haunted. <gasps> like, she's pretty sure there's a ghost there, because he messes with the lights, and ever since they announced that they were moving, mm-hmm. he's been acting up more. Oh, and I'm like, it's just because like he's scared that you're leaving. I mean, he seems really chill. I told her, you know, one of these days I'm going to go out there with my dowsing rods before she moves in September and just tell him you can come with them to the new house because they love him. They're like, you know, he's oh, buddies okay. with their so child. It's not like it's a bad haunting. It's just no. like, okay, inconvenient. It's just, he's, he's just set up shop there. And okay. so she had to tell their real estate agent, there's a ghost in this house, we think, and this is what he does. So... <laughs> And Amazing. friend of the podcast, Mike, former ghost, mm-hmm. also messaged me out of the blue to be like, today I learned that if you're selling a property and you think it's haunted, you have to disclose that. Oh. So have you or would you buy a property that was allegedly haunted? Would you buy the Palazzo Dario? Like on a scale of the Palazzo Dario to one person died there 50 years ago, where do you fall in terms of real estate <laughs> comfort? Because... <laughs> I know my answer. I'm probably on the less Wibbly side. Like, it would upset me if, like, the last four people who lived there died there in a weird way. But if it was just one person a long time ago who died a natural death, you know. What if it was a natural death? What if it was a natural death, like, six months before and that's why the place is vacated? That would be too soon for me, I think. Okay. Six months before, that would... I wouldn't like that. Because I, I get uncomfortable around antiques. That gets me the same way that antiques make me uncomfortable. So I just think that would be... Weird vibes. I wouldn't want to know. In I that think case. I could handle it if no one told me. Uh huh. But if I knew, I wouldn't. I don't think I would. <laughs> and now we've learned more about Courtney. <laughs> and now we all know how I feel about living places. So yeah, tell us your level of haunted real estate comfort. I have zero level comfort. Yeah. If yeah. anybody's died there at any point, you're just I'm you're just, out. I'm, I'm out. Beep beep. You're out. <laughs> Audi five thousand. <000. laughs> well, you heard it here first, folks. Sasha is a big no on haunted things. Whereas, you know, I'm skeptical oh, I'm enough great about visiting them. I am not. But you don't want to. I don't want to live there. I'm not paying See, rent. I'm not paying a mortgage. I'm Mm-mm. I'm skeptical enough that I could probably handle some of it because mm. I'd be like, ghosts aren't real. Yeah. It's fine. Just I know my mom windows. asked before we oh. she bought the house that my my parents live in and also of course she did because if there were ghosts there they'd she be would all know over her. yeah and then like even when in middle school when they were thinking about moving my parents would ask every time yeah there was one house before my parents bought the house that my dad still lives in mm-hmm. there was one place they looked 
where it was just my mom, my brother, and I went. My dad was off on some business trip. And the house was, I think, either across the street or next door to a cemetery. And it had a tall fence. Sure. So you couldn't see it. But at the time, I was like 10. And we all know I've had horrible nightmares my entire life. And my mom was like, there is no way. Courtney will never sleep again if we move into this house. So that's my, like, cemeteries, I draw the line. I won't Mm. won't do cemeteries. But, you know, one person died there naturally in the 40s. (laughs) Come see, come see. All right. So, so tell yeah, us tell your us comfort your, level. Yeah, tell us your comfort level. Tell us about haunted buildings and other things that are super cursed that you want to look into. Houses that you looked at living at, even if you didn't end up living there. Did your real estate agent ever tell you? Well, I mean, we've so, received emails from listeners who have lived in haunted houses. So yeah. if you haven't shared one with us yet, feel free. Speedbarrowgmail.com. <laughs> We're waiting for you specifically. <laughs> tell us if you would live in the Palazzo Dario. We'll post pictures of it on the Instagram so you can make an informed decision based on how pretty it is. Yeah, it's a nice building. Had I not known how cursed it was, I probably would have bought it for 480 pounds. Yeah. But now I know, so can't do it. So. All right. Thanks for know listening. Before you go. Yeah. Know before you go. <laughs> Wash your hands, wear your mask, get your vaccine. As much as possible, still kind of seclude yourself. I know it's not mm. fun and we all want to hang out a bunch, but, you know, don't take unnecessary risks and go to big, large venues and stuff right now. Just don't do it. We want you to be safe. So you can keep listening to our show. So you can keep listening to our show and not be a recently deceased body. Don't that's be gonna an actual ghost. Yeah. Don't be the ghost that has to be disclosed. Hi. Do you listen to stuff with your ears? Do you laugh at things with your mouth? Do you use podcasts as a proxy for friends? Well, maybe you should check us out because we got you covered. I'm Lini. And I'm Bunny. And we host a fortnightly podcast called Talk Spooky to Me, covering all things a little bit spooky. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and all the other podcasting apps. Unless they're shit. <laughs> you can follow us on at TalkSpooky if you want to be friends on Twitter. And by the way, we're British. Yep. <laughs> okay, love ya. And I love spending time with you. Welcome back to Spoop Hour, a paranormal... Yeah, a parent... <laughs> paranormal. Okay. <laughs>